incredible story of just God's faithfulness and his provision. And, and I love hearing how these families that are, that are taking in these kids who are coming from such a broken place are, are able to provide redemption, able to provide healing, and able to provide prayer. And I loved seeing the picture of, of the mom. She was, she was laying hands on those, on those picture frames of kids that had been in their home. And I think what a beautiful testimony to just God working in and through that family. And so uh, this weekend's going to look a little different, obviously. Um, I've got a, a really incredible guest here with us, um, Kevin Enders of Four Kids, the president and CEO. Will you guys give it up for him Thanks. this morning? You know, as a church, we, we want to make sure that we talk about things that are actually happening and things that are actually a need. I think for a while, we the church wasn't so good at answering people's questions that they actually had. We were answering a lot of questions that nobody was asking. And, and so one of the things we want to talk about today is what's going on right here in our neighborhood, right in our backyards, right in our community. And so uh, we asked Kevin to to kind of come in and share with us what um, Four Kids is doing and the difference that they're making. And so, Kevin, I want to welcome you. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being here, man. Um, talk about, for me, how long you've been involved in foster care and kind of how you guys got started, you and your wife, Michelle. Michelle's here. Yeah. Thank you yeah. so much for being here, Michelle. The better half. There she is in the front row. I will, before I do that, I just want to say thank you to Coastal Community Church for allowing four kids to come back again. You guys are an amazing church. You're going to hear a lot about what can the church do. You guys are doing it. You guys are already doing it. I obviously have known TJ and Shayla for some time and have been very um, prayerful about their journey and yeah. getting to meet Josh and Andrea this weekend is, is really a blessing for us. So, you know, this is, again, meant to be a conversation to update you on what's going on in the community. But um, from our hearts to yours, thank you so much. You're a church that's already engaged. I know there's several foster families here. You guys have been very supportive of the mission of Four Kids, which is to provide hope for kids in crisis. And until a home for every child is reached, we're going to continue steadfastly at it. So, and happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. So can we give our dads a happy Father's Day, guys? Thank you. Hands. But, um, yeah, so I'll just share briefly. Um, my wife and I moved here from the Northeast back in 2003. We actually found our home in Parkland to start. We actually lived in Meadow Run right, I mean, a half a block down the street. We had a beautiful home in that beautiful community in Parkland. We had three ki kids at the time, which it's interesting getting to know Josh. We had a four-year-old, a seven-year-old, which they have, and a 10-year-old, two boys and a girl. One up in me here. Yeah, no, but but God's going to do some great things through you guys. I know That's it's, right. it's a little prophetic, but um, you know, we, uh, my wife and I, moved here uh, very successful in business, which we'll get to. I had my own company, um, but we were very religious. We didn't have Jesus. Really, the, the what started our journey in foster care was we uh, came to a Bible-believing church similar to Coastal, and the first time we stepped foot into the church, we both gave our hearts to Christ, and that's what really started our journey into foster care. We uh, got baptized in 2006, and then we heard this message, the same similar message that you're going to hear today, and we are just new believers just trying to figure out what that meant and how is God going to take our lives and all of the stuff that had happened in our lives and plug us in. So in 2006, we started taking um, foster parent training classes with four kids, and we got licensed 12 years ago in 2007. It started our journey as foster parents. Actually, we were 
one of those families that just kind of like that song, we wanted to step into the shallow water first. We just decided <laughs> to be what's called the respite family, which is a family that gets licensed that can provide babysitting time um, for foster families. And uh, as we went through that journey, God just took us deeper. And I love that song. He just took us deeper. And when we got licensed, we said, okay, we can, we can foster. So we ended up starting to foster. Um, again, my youngest was, set, was four, and we had, we had a lot of babies coming in and out of our house, which we'll talk a little bit about. Um, but we were just, we, we're both from big families. We love children, obviously, in the right job because we absolutely adore kids. Um, so we started fostering, and we fostered several kids. What he did in that process, what he expanded our heart. And we also sung about it. He expanded our ability to love. I mean, honestly, I, I, it was an interesting journey as a father on Father's Day. Um, how could I love a child that wasn't mine? And let me tell you something, God just blew up my heart for these kids and helped me to love in ways I could never have imagined. And uh, it's just been an amazing journey. We've been involved with four kids for over 12 years then. Um, just as advocates, we'd come to churches, we'd go to foster parent training classes and talk about our experience, try to recruit more families, and we'll talk about the need today. But um, it really changed everything for us, yeah. was that journey. That's awesome. I, I want to ask you, because I know this was kind of part of uh, your story, is you were actually uh, in the business world for quite a long time and involved with some major companies. And so I want to know from you, like, what was the shift, not only physically, you guys moved around a little bit and, mm -hmm. and you were part of a few different companies, but what was the shift um, in your heart as well? Like, how did God take you from being involved in these large companies and, and how, how did he kind of rewrite your story in a way. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really interesting. So I spent 15 years in big retail in New York. I was a vice president for Foot Locker, got to travel a lot, really had a tremendous career, moved here to Parkland. I've um, never heard of Foot Locker. What yeah, is that? A, I think they sell some sneakers. I don't know, overpriced sneakers. You got some sneaker heads in the house. It was, um, it was a really great uh, time. I mean, honestly, like I lived the dream as a young guy. I mean, I had a beautiful wife, three beautiful kids, got to do a lot. When I moved to Florida... I started my own business, never thought I'd be an entrepreneur. I had a apparel company, clothing company. I had an office in Parkland, an office in Manhattan. Um, I had uh, people that were financially supporting the business from India and China and got to travel and, and had tremendous success. Um, and it was interesting, this parallel, but then we got saved, right? And it was like, okay, God, God started to strip away some of those material things because our life was very material at the time. Again, we had the big house, we had... We had everything you could imagine on the outside, but on the inside, God was changing our hearts. So um, after a period of being an entrepreneur, um, you know, God just continued to work and almost kind of stripped those things away so that we knew what was important in life. Yeah. Um, honestly, there was, there was some times where we had moved from Parkland, sold our house before the market crashed, rented in Coral Springs. He moved us continually. We moved to Coconut Creek, but God was at work in our lives in a tremendous way. Um, uh, didn't talk about this earlier, but I had a chance to join four kids uh, several years ago, but God's timing wasn't right. I was, God still wanted me to be in the business world, and ministry's not for everybody. Yeah. But what God did is he opened up an opportunity for me to join this big technology firm. It's a half a billion dollar technology company that's based out of Mexico, but services the world in wow. big technology services. So I started working with multi-billion dollar companies and learning about technology. And uh, so about three years ago, I got this knock um, from someone at 4Kids saying, hey, we need a full-time president and CEO. Would you be interested? And being a foster and adoptive dad and just being an advocate, which is what this wristband's all about. I mean, yeah. we're raising advocates, and God was preparing me all that time yeah. to say yes um, 
it was just such a profound yes from God. It's, it's like the rich young ruler in the Bible where he comes to God and is like, or comes to Jesus and says, I've done everything, what else do I need to do? And Jesus says, well, leave everything and come follow me. And he went away weeping. Yeah. And um, so God was speaking to me many different ways in that season. But it's been such an incredible two and a half years to lead such an amazing organization yeah. and to see why God put me into retail or hospitality or technology to come into nonprofit work and have those experiences. Yeah. Um, you can clearly see how God kind of prepared me for what I'm doing today. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that speaks to something that we've, we've kind of been learning and, and something that Shayla hit on recently is, is like your pain has purpose. And everything that God takes you through every season, like there's a reason that you're in, in the, that you're in that. Like there's not any there's there's no denying that that God was kind of working in the background. I think is is the way I see it. Is like you were in these different companies, you're meeting all these people, you're learning all these different things, but it was just leading you to this place that God wanted to use you. And in such a cool way yeah. that he was actually already using you in that way, but wanted you more involved and, and really kind of got a hold of your heart, it seems like. so. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly what you said. Like, God, you just be obedient, kind of be listening to see what God is doing in you. Um, bloom where you're planted. I know you hear that. And it's like, what right. are you doing every That's single good. day just to kind of draw closer to God? I travel, carry my Bible. People are always like, are you a pastor? I mean, how many people read Bibles when they're <laughs> traveling? Not many, I can tell you. But just, just trying to figure out, like, God, now what, what's next? What, yeah. would, what would you have us do? So yeah. it's been an incredible journey for us. Yeah. Talk to me about um, kind of the very real numbers and statistics, like what's going on in Broward County. Um, I know we're, we're close to the border of, of Palm Beach County, and, and we've got Miami-Dade. And so kind of give me um, just the, the picture of what we're dealing with here. Okay. Yeah. First, I want to give God some glory. Uh, in the 22 yeah. years that 4Kids has been in operation here in South Florida, we've been able to bring hope, homes, and healing to over 28,000 children in South Florida. So, man, come on, God that's incredible. Deserves that's so good. A round of applause. And you know, it's an interesting work because you guys read the news, right? A lot of overdoses, a lot of a lot of brokenness in society. Well, it's really an opportunity for the church to rise up and be the church, right? To be that good Samaritan when you find some brokenness. Are you, are you religious and walking around it, or are you deciding to stop, wow. bandage so somebody up, take them into your house? I love that story in the Bible. The guy's basically put everything on my account. He left enough money to be cared for, uh, right. this person, for a long time. But so the state of the union, so to speak, in foster care is there's still... Uh, six to 10 kids that come into care every single day in South Florida into the foster care system. So every day, you know, you guys read the news. Like I said, there, there's a lot of brokenness, but again, it's an opportunity for the church. Um, so there's over 2,700 kids that are really in the system, we say, in South Florida right now. Um, one of the things we look at specifically is out of those number of kids that come in, there's two things we focus on. How many kids are in group shelters, which Four Kids is all about raising up Christian families to get kids yeah. into a traditional home setting. That's where kids That's really believe, I mean, we believe and we see the statistics where healing happens, right? Because you're one-on-one yeah. -on -one or a couple kids in your home and you can really love on them. Right. Um, we look at how many kids are in these group homes and right now 15% of the kids in the system are in shelters. It's a 426 kids. And as we talk to people that uh, manage those facilities, half of those kids should be or could be in a traditional family. There's no reason for them to be in an enhanced facility like that. So we really, um, we focus on that number. The other thing that we focus on is every 
So every time a child comes into the system, um, ChildNet, who's the community-based care lead agency here in Broward and Palm Beach, they basically start calling agencies like for kids to say, hey, I got a four-year-old or I've got a 12-year-old. Do you have a bed? Is there a room? Is there a house? Um, and right now we're saying no, just in Broward and Palm Beach, 82 times a month. So let me say that again, 82 times every month, we get a phone call that a child needs a home and we don't have any homes available. So again, we work with over 100 church partners in Coastal's an amazing church. I think you guys have about five foster families, which is amazing. Um, but the, the church needs to rise up because yeah. there's plenty of churches, there's plenty of people that, that call themselves Christians that sure. can serve. So we really are focused on that. Um, it, it heart, it, it's heart-wrenching yeah. to think that we have to say no, but that's why we're just continuing the work, continuing to be out in churches every weekend to share you know, the message that this is close to God's heart and there's a great opportunity for you to come and, and help. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I think one of, the, one of the questions that probably a lot of people face as, as they're considering being a foster care, and I know for me this has been good to hear you guys talk about this. Um, it's been really encouraging to Andrew and I. Um, we've gone through your orientation. We're, we're kind of in this process right now. And so, um, but I know a lot, of, a lot of people have this concern of like when I return a child, like when I've taken them into their home, their home and like I, I'm going to be honest, like uh, this this kind of frightens me. Um, yeah. If I take a child into my home, and then I have to return that child, right? Um, how do you deal with that? I mean, you and Michelle have done that, yeah. and probably more time, more than one time. Yeah, um, more than one time. Well, it, listen, it's what Denise has said in the video, right? Yeah. I mean, it was so profound. If you didn't catch it, she said, "Our hearts break so someone else's can heal." So good. And if yeah. you think about what did God do for us, right? He gave his one and only son. God, God sacrificed Jesus so that we could have life. Right. I mean, this is such a picture of the gospel. I don't know that there's another way to serve the Lord that is so close to his heart. Because he wants us to go through that pain. I mean, in James 1, the Bible talks about count it all joy yeah. when you fall into various trials. Why? Because God's perfecting you. And God, yeah. this is the faith journey, right? I mean, it's not about being comfortable in church. Right. It's about allowing God to sharpen you. Yeah. Our address Amen, is 20, 2717 in Proverbs 2717. It says, iron sharpens iron. Yep. So does a man sharpen the countenance of his friend. So you're like wanting to be on the wheel right. where there's going to be some sparks flying. Yeah. But, but God's refining you. Um, you hear that all throughout the word, right? Where he's going to put you in into the fire sometimes. And so exactly. it's, it, it, it's just an opportunity for God to continue to draw yourself closer to him. Yeah. Right, and I think it's also going back to our, our value that we do life together. When we, when we come together and we, and we go through these things together, it really does sharpen us, it challenges us in our faith, and it, and it, moves, and it moves us to action. I want to I wanna talk about a verse. If you guys will turn to your Bibles or you can look on your phone. It says in James 2, 15 through 16, it says, Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says, Go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing for their physical needs, what good is it? And, and I love that all around this verse, James is talking about your faith is attached to what you do. It says faith without deeds is dead. And I know that that's a conversation in the church um, that people get a little confused by. But if we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us and we have the fruits of the Spirit and we're operating in those fruits, there should be fruit. There yeah. should be something attached to 
the fruits of the Spirit, and we should be moved with compassion when we see these videos and we see these stories of what can I do? And, and listen, I'm going to acknowledge that not everybody in this room can be a foster parent. We know that. It's right. very, very evident that not everybody can take a child into their home. But Kevin is going to hit on some stuff that I really feel like is, is going to involve everybody being able to make a difference and really kind of look at this as not a problem but an opportunity. Yeah. And, and so I, I want to talk more about that. Um, Kevin, what is the responsibility of the church to this specific issue? And talk to me not only about how our involvement is so important, but actually what the, what the state government does and, and kind of just the, the process of all that. Yeah, sure. So if you're in the Bible, I know you just were talking about James yeah. too. If you guys could just take a look back one chapter. And one of the verses we spend a lot of time talking about is James 1.27. So if you guys could yeah. refer to that, what, what the word says is, Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit orphans, some versions say to care for orphans yeah. and widows in their time of distress or in their trouble, and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. So when you, when you ask, like, what is the responsibility of the church, right. throughout Scripture, um, God is crystal clear on his heart for the fatherless. I mean, the word in Psalm 68, 5 and 6, it says, God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. And it also says that God sets the lonely in families. He brings out those who are bound, how beautiful, into prosperity. Wow. So God's heart is crystal clear throughout. I mean, you read the Bible, and, and there's, there's just no doubt that God... God has a heart for us, right? right? He is, we sing that song, good, good father. He is our father. And so he wants us to be imitators yeah. of him. And how do, we, how do we take that challenge or that opportunity to step yeah. into that space? Right. Um, you said it to me yesterday. How do we, we, we pray? We, we use this acronym plow. We listen, but it's that obedience that is important. It's how do we so obey good. willingly? Like God loves a cheerful giver. Well, God wants you to be obedient to what he's if he's knocking on your heart. And, right. Yeah. And, and we sing, we sang this song. Uh, it's one of my favorite songs that we sing. And it, and it has a line in it. And it says, so let the church rise up in worship. And what, what is worship? Worship is obedience. It's not, it's, worship is not this platform. Yeah. It really isn't. And I know we, I know we call it worship. And, and I know that there's a lot of things attached to that word. But I think right. at its core, like worship is obedience to and a response to what God wants to do in and through you. And so when we talk about, you know, how what's the responsibility of the church, I think it's important to remember that it is an act of worship. No yeah. matter what what your involvement in this is, like you can make a difference and it will be an act of obedience and an act of worship. Yeah. And let me one of the hardest things to get across. I mean, I'm sitting up here. Um, I get the privilege to lead this amazing organization. I would have never dreamt 12 years ago when we heard this message that this is what God's plan was, yeah. ever dreamt. And so, you know, yes, there's kids in need. Yes, God wants your obedience, but it's almost like salvation. And when, yeah. what do we say when we, when we come to know Jesus? I wish I would have known sooner, right? Or I wish I would have done it sooner. Fostering is the, is the same thing. There's such wow. a parallel between what we do. It's really God's invitation for you to come into something, into a deeper relationship with him. And I think that's what we should all want, right? That's the good. word wants us to be obedient. And, and yes, they, God's calling us into a deeper relationship. Yeah. God says, be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as I am perfect. And I know sometimes that's kind of scary. I have that conversation with my kids. and They're like, I can't be perfect. Yeah. But God wants us to draw near to him. Yeah. 
And, and so it's, it's really the, the most difficult thing about this message is it's an invitation yeah. that God is giving you. And you just need to figure out, is that something that I feel like God's talking to me personally about? So That's really good. Yeah. Um, what are four kids' future plans to combat, like, the foster care crisis? Yeah. What do you guys, I mean, you guys have been doing incredible work, and, and, and I love that, you know, you, you've said this several times, like, this is a ministry it yeah. can, you know, it can look like an organization. It is very organized. Just even going through your your two hour orientation was was so like it answered a lot of the questions that I had, and I didn't actually have to ask them because yeah. it was so well done. And you guys are actually going to have an opportunity um, on June twenty fifth. That's a Tuesday at seven p.m. We are going to host a. A, an orientation for four kids so that you can get to know like what's going on in the organization, but also um, how this really is such a great ministry and, mm-hmm. and how you can be involved. Yeah. Well, thanks for the words. I mean, it, it really is. It's a tremendous organization. Yeah. Um, and we're really focused on three key things. You'll hear someone from four kids talk about hope, homes, and healing. It's really kind of our strategic plan. We have a strategic plan. Like yeah. most companies we're focused on excellence, just like everybody else. Um, but we really want to continue to provide the hope of Jesus. I mean, our staff are all believers of Jesus, yeah. and we are in this ministry, again, to bring the light of Jesus into this darkness in the world. And just last week, I heard a salvation story. You guys heard, or you'll hear a video later talking about Safe Place. Safe Place is that intake center where when kids come into the system, they come into our care. Frontline, it's like frontline Christian ministry right in your backyard, Right. And there was this 12-year-old boy that came in who was just broken, a um, lot of trauma in his life, um, setting fires, breaking down the doors, stealing a van, got arrested two times within a month. But one of our staff led him to the Lord last week. And that's why we do what we do. Praise it's God. to, it's on, to bring people to Jesus and provide because so good. And we know that, the, that, that Jesus is the answer. We can meet physical needs and we can do that. But at the end of the day, we need to get to the heart of the issue and by using the gospel, we're able right. to, to do that. So hope, we talk about homes. Right now we have over 200 foster homes in six counties. Because of the amount of kids we say no to, our three-year strategic plan is to get to 300. We know there's enough people in the church to do that. We were in a small church in South Broward a few weeks ago, and 40 families said yes. In a small church of about 1,000 people, they said, we were in. And yeah. just like Coastal, you guys have embraced it. So yeah. there's great momentum in the church. I mean, we are very confident that God's going to do a great work over the next few years and raise up those 100 new families so we can get to a point where we have enough. We want to have more than enough good Christian yeah. families so we don't have That's to good. say no to any child. And we believe we're this close to doing that. And the third part is the healing part. Um, for many, many years, when a kid would come into foster care, and we're so steadfast on getting them into a Christian home, they would get sent out to secular therapists. And you can imagine what a secular therapist nowadays is saying to a child when they're not sure who they are, not sure maybe what gender they are, yeah. things of that nature. Well, we said that's enough. Like, we want to raise up an army of Christian therapists, and God has done an amazing work. Just in the last year and a half, we've gone from a staff of one to a staff of 11 people at four kids and we're so providing good. thousands so give God a hand. I mean thousands of hours of therapy and training for parents. It's called Epic. You'll get a flyer outside if you're interested. It's it's to focus on the emotional state of a child, the physical, intellectual and character of a child. That's what Epic stands for. It's really looking at the whole brain, the whole child and how can we help a child heal? How can we help a child understand like you said earlier, yeah. why have I gone through this trauma? 
And there's a purpose. God uses it for a purpose. Um, we also focus on parent training. That's the other side of Epic because when you become a foster parent and you have biological children, you may not have the skills you need to parent a child that maybe has had some trauma. And it's just been the God story. I could sit here for an hour and share God stories about how God is restoring life to these children and kids that were, are coming into care with just t- tremendous brokenness after about three months of therapy with our therapist. They are thriving. We talk about coming from a place of disparity to a place where they're actually thriving. It's really amazing. So we're really focused on just continuing to do the work of the yeah. Lord by providing hope, homes, and healing for every child here in Broward, Palm Beach, on the Treasure Coast. So. That's really cool. You, have a, you, you brought a video that I think is, is really, really cool. It talks about a pretty specific need. Can we go ahead and play that video real quick? I had heard about a four-year-old little girl that was found wandering the streets at midnight, alone and crying out for her parents. So thankfully, she was picked up and brought to safe place. So I felt compelled to go to safe place right away. So I was at safe place and able to bring her clothes and shoes. And when she had a visit with her parents after we found them, she came back from that visit crying and screaming, and so I began to speak to her in Spanish to let her know that she was going to be okay. Told her she was a little sweetheart in Spanish, and when we were at the park, she started smiling and laughing and going down the slides. She wanted to do the monkey bars when she was finally going to be placed with a Christian foster family. I was thankful, and not just any family, but a Spanish-speaking family. Before I left, I prayed over her and let her know that God is watching over her and protecting her, and that her parents are getting the help that she needs or they need so that they can be together again. Familias hispanohablantes, nuestros huérfanos te necesitan tu ayuda. Contestarás el llamativo del Señor. Spanish-speaking families, our orphans need your help. Will you answer God's call? Mm. Wow. What a powerful, what a powerful message. I, I, I still can't. I, I think I get a little overwhelmed, Kevin, at, the, at just the the magnitude of the need. Um, but I want to get kind of into what can we do, you know, right here at Coastal, how can we get involved? And, and you know, it's it's so funny. My, my wife was actually reading a book about foster care to, to our daughter, and she was having her repeat some of the things in this book, and, and one of the lines was, kids are important, and kids need to be safe. Mm-hmm. And I want everybody to, to kind of feel that weight for a second. Like, these kids don't necessarily have an alcohol problem in their family. That can be broken. They don't have a poverty problem that can be broken. It can be only be broken by the power of Jesus in their life. And I love what you guys are doing at Four Kids because you're putting that at the forefront of going. No, this is the answer. Yeah. Every time there's a need, you you lead with Jesus loves you so much. And so, how can we as the church um, get involved in in some practical ways, even even today? Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, you guys are already doing it, which we really appreciate. But can we give it up for the foster families in our church? And and I know you guys have just given up and sacrificed 
so much and, and also have experienced a lot of joy. I actually got to, um, with, with my wife, Andrea, we got to, to be involved in, in uh, a family here in, in our church. And they were actually saying, we need, we need clothes for these kids. Because a lot of these kids, man, they just come in and, and they're wearing the clothes on their backs. And they maybe have stuff in a plastic bag. I mean, it's, it's crazy. And so what we heard was that they need clothes. And what was so cool is we knew Easter was coming up that Sunday. Mm. And so we, we went to Target, and we're like, man, we have no idea what sizes these kids are. We're kind of guessing. And, man, I can't, I can't tell you how rewarding it was to see those two kids walk in and have those claws on. And, and they just, they were glowing. They felt so just happy and, and blessed with, with just clothes that fit them. And that changed their entire countenance. And so I know there's so much that we can do um, from not only being a foster parent, but also just coming around families and, and supporting them. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's awesome. Thanks for sharing. I mean, you heard it in the video yeah. when Denise has said, I think it was her Donovan. They said, if we don't do it, who will? I mean, this is such an opportunity for yeah. the church. And you talked about the magnitude of this problem. And I didn't say this earlier, but yeah, sometimes you can get overwhelmed with yeah with, oh my gosh, there's 2,700 kids in foster care or in the state there's 28,000 kids. But one of the things we've been doing at Four Kids over the last couple of years is this campaign called Close to Home. And it, this hyper-localization yeah. of issues. And, and you talked about your church wanting to be serving the community. Within 15 minutes of where I sit, 93 kids were removed last year from their homes. So it breaks down that big number into something yeah. that's a little more personal. Like if you live in Pompano Beach or Coral Springs, just think about that number when you leave, 93 kids. There's enough people in church that can raise up. We can have 93 That's homes right. for those children. So, um, and again, the fear a little bit is if we don't do it, who will? And we need to, we need to be prayerful about the opportunity that we can give to, to the Lord right now to give him glory and step in the gap, as you said, for these kids. So um, Josh talked about this orientation June 25th. So if you feel like you've been praying or thinking about fostering, I know we, this isn't the first time Four Kids has been to this church. You guys see it. Your pastor's living it. Josh and Andrea are going through the process. You know, find out more at that orientation yeah. June 25th at 7 p.m. We also have a, a table out front. So you can be a family. Uh, we talk about being a blessing to a family. So you can find out a more, more about that family advocacy ministry. Can I deliver a meal? Can I maybe come over as a guy and do some yard work, fold some laundry? I mean, simple things that maybe we right. take for granted are a huge blessing for people in foster care. And we're really looking for somebody at this church to lead that initiative it's called the CFA, a church family advocate, somebody that can rally those volunteer teams. Yeah. So if you're interested, again, stop outside. And the last thing is build a family. So be, bless, or build. And you guys financially support the ministry. Um, the, the government does not pay for what we do. That's one of the things that makes Four Kids unique. We go above and beyond so that we can provide services that are way better than what normal agencies provide. So there's always that need, and God's been yeah. very uh, favorable yes. to us. So. Um, those are three ways practically that yeah. you can get involved. Yeah. yeah, you know, I think it's so cool as as we kind of close out. Like when you when we talk about giving and what that means to to this church specifically, it's I think it's such a cool thing to be able to bring in Kevin because when you give and when you're generous, it goes to ministries like this that are literally changing and, and moving and shaking our community. And Kevin, I appreciate you so, so much just for being here today. Can we give it up for no, Kevin? My Thank pleasure. You. Give it up for four kids. I want to.
I want to close in prayer. And just my prayer for us, church, is that we would just do that. We would, we would pray and ask God, like, what can we do to make a difference um, as we come alongside organizations like 4Kids that, that are doing an incredible work in our community? So let's pray. God, thank you for our time here today. Thank you for bringing Kevin and um, just allowing us to have a, a really practical and really helpful conversation about what's going on right here in our midst. And, and God, I pray that we would not be a church that passes by such a critical issue like foster care. God, your, your heart is for kids. I, I know in, in your word it talks about when the, when the children were coming to Jesus his disciples tried to push them aside, and, and Jesus said, no, let the children come to me because the faith of a child is priceless. The awe and wonder that they experience um, is sometimes robbed from them, and it's our job as, as parents and as families to come alongside them and, and really advocate for them and stand in the gap. And, Lord, we love that you have done that for us through Jesus Christ. And just like Kevin talked about, this is a salvation mission. And God, we, we are so grateful to be stewards of what you've placed in our church. And God, we, we pray that you would move in us, move us to action, move our hearts to compassion so that we could actually do something to make a difference. Lord, we love you. We worship you. We give you all the honor. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said.